Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. It is getting that time of the year. It's Miller time. You don't need a watch or a clock to tell you. It's Miller time. Weather gets a little bit warmer. All of a sudden, the beer gets a little colder. It's beer cracking season. It, it Whoa, Okay. I don't know if it says that on the calendar. Uh, Miller Lite, great taste, less filling, tastes like Miller Tongue. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Patrick, or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. And as always, please celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories per 12 ounces, fewer calories and carbs than premium regular beer. Miller Lite. I want to thank our friends at Panini America, the official trading cards and NFTs of the Dan Patrick Show. Panini America has everything you need. A premier collecting experience with the most sought-after NFL and NBA, FIFA, and WNBA trading cards. If you're looking for rookie sensations, they've got that. How about timeless legends? They've got that. Panini America also breaking new ground on NIL, featuring the biggest names. Caitlin Clark's in there. Angel Reese, J.J. McCarthy, Michael Penix Jr., and so many more. If you're into cutting-edge digital collectibles, don't miss Panini's NFT platform at nft.paniniamerica.net. Some of the first opportunities to collect this year's rookie class. Whether you're a collector of physical cards or a digital enthusiast, Panini has you covered. Check out their most popular brands. they got Prism, Select, Donruss, and so many more. And... You got Panini Instant Cards celebrating the biggest sports moments on cards right after they happen, such as Draft Night Instance. Visit PaniniAmerica.net or download the Panini Direct app today. Panini America, the official trading cards and NFTs of the Dan Patrick Show. You are listening to the Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Alrighty. Uh, this just in. Kemba Walker finalizing a contract buyout with the Thunder. The New York Knicks will sign Kemba Walker as a free agent, sources tell The Athletic. Let's bring in Frank Isola, the uh, Nets studio host on Yes, also has a uh, SiriusXM uh, radio show, the starting lineup and contributor to Around the Horn and Pardon the Interruption. Let me start there. The Knicks, they're, they're getting these... These players, yes, it's the magic of the playoffs, that win against the Hawks, Frank. They got Kemba Walker, and your reaction is? Well, he, as you know, Dan, he is a New Yorker, so and he's an upgrade on what they had. So you put him with Derrick Rose as your two point guards. It's not terrible. You know, the problem with Kemba Walker, and we saw him get exposed a couple of times or a few times defensively, he is undersized. And the big thing with him will be, can he stay healthy? Remember, last year the Celtics, they weren't playing Kemba in back-to-backs. The idea was to keep him ready and fresh for the playoffs, and then he ended up missing playoff games. Mm. So who knows what his health is at this point. All right, let's look at the Lakers step-by-step, move-by-move here. Uh, when they Let's start with Russell. So yep. it, upgrade for you, you like the move with Russell Westbrook. 
I like it during the regular season, how it works in the playoffs. I don't know because, you know, he's a ball dominant guard who's not a great shooter. And, you know, when you do get to the playoffs in these, you know, crucial moments of games, you want the ball in LeBron James's hands. So if Russell Westbrook going to be playing off the ball, and if so, is, is he going to be the one knocking down shots? I get it. To get through a regular season, LeBron, you know, doesn't want to play 82 games at this stage of his career. He wants guys to carry him. And it's almost as if he knows now that Anthony Davis can't be that guy. I understand why they did it. In theory, it's an upgrade. I'll be interested to see how it works during the postseason. Yeah, I'm with you on that. It feels like Russ, he never takes a possession off. Like every yep. every possession matters to him, and he'll play hard the entire regular season. Although there are times when I want him to maybe take a couple of plays off or not <laughs> exactly. have every possession mean as much. All right, now you get Mello. What do you think of the addition of Mello? Yeah, I mean, if you look at Carmelo the last few years, I mean, he's accepted his role. He's now a, a bit player who will play between 20 and 25 minutes a game. He could still knock down mid-range jumpers. I get it. He and LeBron have been friends since high school. They've always wanted to play together. They played together on the national team. They've been in all-star teams together. I, I think it's I think it's fine because you're not getting Carmelo. You're not asking him to be your starting power forward. He is getting up there in age, but he proved on Portland he could be a contributing player. I think he wants to make a run at it. You've seen that list. There's only eight guys that have won a national championship, a college championship, and then a gold medal, and Carmelo wants to be the ninth guy to do that. All right, the other additions here. Who stands out more? Um, well, Westbrook is obviously uh, a really good one. Um, Malik Monk, Kent Bazemore, well, I, I, Wayne Ellington. I mean, they needed shooting. So in theory, I would say, you know, Wayne Ellington isn't a bad one. I think getting Dwight Howard back is good. You know, Dan, if you look last year with Montrezl Harrell, they got Montrezl Harrell on a bargain basement contract, and he did not play well. I mean, he really didn't give them a lot. And it's it's interesting. If you look at what happened with Giannis Antetokounmpo in the finals, where Phoenix really didn't have anybody after DeAndre Ayton to, to deal with him, all of a sudden size seems to matter again in the NBA. And Dwight Howard helped the Lakers when they won a title. And Dwight has kind of become, in a lot of ways, morphing into a bit of a Dennis Rodman type where he's constantly out there trying to agitate the opposition, trying to draw technical fouls. He's really done a good job developing into that kind of role player. So I think he's going to help them a lot. For the money, to me, he's an upgrade over Montrezl Harrell. Yeah, and and I agree with you on the uh, the Rodman-Dwight Howard comparison because I, knowing your role is really important when you get on a LeBron team. And I also wonder, can they do anything with Dennis Schroeder with a sign-and-trade? Can the Lakers... Because I, I still, it's weird, through free agency, I mentioned this, I thought of Dame Lillard and Dennis Schroeder. Schroeder yeah. turning down the extension with the Lakers, and then is, was he going to be in no man's land? And Dame Lillard looking around going, uh, we got Cody Zeller and Tony Snell uh, we're not, and Ben McLemore. We're not going anywhere. But can the Lakers benefit from Dennis Schroeder with a sign-in trade? Yeah, they could still get something for him. And that's why you love when guys say, bet on yourself. Well, Dennis Schroeder bet on himself. It really hasn't worked out to this point. He should have taken that $84 million contract that he was offered. You mentioned Damian Lillard. I would think that this year they'll try to get through the season with Lillard. And if it doesn't work out, then I could see a trade, you know, at the earliest, the deadline. I doubt that would happen. I could see something with Damian Lillard around next year's NBA draft. That's usually when these big deals tend to happen. So if it doesn't work out for Portland, if they're not making steady progress in the Western Conference, I think that Damian Lillard will be out by next summer. Steph Curry signed a new extension. And yep. the last year of that deal, I think he makes close to $60 million. Crazy. 
Where where is this? Can this is this sustainable, Frank? That I I don't know how it is, and you know that a lot of owners are talking about this. And when the collective bargaining agreement, whenever it does expire, it's got to be something that will be addressed. At least Steph Curry in his case. Now, who knows what he's going to be like five years from now when the contract expires? Because it doesn't even kick in until next season. But he has been an unbelievable player, two-time All-Star. He's won finals there. You know, he's been he's revitalized that entire organization. One of the reasons they were able to build that amazing um, arena that they have. But there's going to come a point where you look at some of these contracts, even Lonzo Ball getting f- uh, four years, $85 million, He's a very good player. All he's done has been on losing teams. Yeah. And it's, you know, so you, I get it. You're paying for potential with Steph. You're paying for services already rendered. But the money is crazy. I think in the NBA world, they're calling it Dan Patrick money. Oh, is that what it that is? That Steph Curry got. Yes, yeah. very much so. I think it's Bill Simmons money. But, <laughs> but, but, it, but. 60 million where, you know, we, we freak out when Patrick Mahomes signs his deal and we go, Oh my God, they're paying him that much. And you're going like, he would be just another marquee player in the NBA with his salary here. Yeah. I I remember when Eli Manning first signed his contract with the giants, he said it was a hundred million, but the guaranteed money was what Trevor Ariza was making on a (laughs) mid-level exception. So Eli Manning was basically getting Trevor Ariza money. But Dan, you know, this, when you go back to, Michael Jordan's last two years with the Chicago Bulls, Michael Jordan got $30 million for yeah. both those. He was like, you know, in the 30 to $35 million range. And even back then, you're like, you know what? He's definitely worth it. But now you think all these years later, Steph Curry essentially is going to be making double that. Amazing. But it didn't count against the cap with Jordan, did it? No. Yeah, no. So. He was a, yeah, he remember that's when the Nick fans, as you know, I mean, we're still playing this game where the Nick fan was thinking (laughs) maybe Michael Jordan would take the mid-level exception or minimum to come play in New York. And then Jerry Reinsdorf stepped up to the plate and said, I'll give you 30 million. And then I think it was 30 then 33 million. And Michael Jordan wisely stayed in Chicago, won two more championships and got his money. Do you think the Knicks feel Zion Williamson will be in play for them in a couple of years? I, d- I, I definitely think they do believe that. And when Zion played at Madison Square Garden the last time around, he recited all the familiar verses about it's the Mecca of basketball. It's a great place to play. The whole It was almost as if the Knicks gave him a script. And you look at New Orleans, you know, you, they got a lot of good young players. They haven't come close to sniffing the playoffs yet. So and you, the Western Conference is tough. So it could get to a point with Zion where the Pelicans are in the same position they were in with Anthony Davis, where you're looking to get assets, draft picks, at least that's something that right now the Knicks still have. The Kawhi Leonard situation with the Clippers, where coming off the ACL, does he even play this year? Does he want to play this year? What do you like the Clippers? It feels like they're damned if they do, damned if they don't. Uh, what do you think makes the most sense in this situation from the Clippers' perspective? Well, considering everything that they gave up to get Paul George, all those sec- uh, first round picks. Do they really have any other option but to re-sign Kawhi Leonard, likely not going to play this season, just like a similar situation with the Nets and Kevin Durant his first year there where he didn't play. And then you just keep your fingers crossed that he's going to be able, healthy enough, and he'll you know, still come back in top form. What I don't get, though, Dan, is you have Kawhi, you know, it came out. Now, Kawhi didn't say it. It was reports that he wanted to talk to other teams. Talk to other teams about what? First of all, not a lot of teams have money. And at some point, I know this is like a bad word in sports, Does loyalty ever come into the equation? You wanted them to go out and get Paul George. They moved heaven and earth to get him. And now here you are, knowing that you're not even going to play. And you're saying, well, maybe I'll talk to other teams. I don't know about that. Yeah, I think there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes with Kawhi that if it was somebody else, 
we would be calling them out. If, if, Bingo. If, yeah, it feels like, you know, because Kawhi is not media friendly. You don't hear much from him, but it feels like somebody's pulling strings behind the scenes here, whether it's Kawhi or his uncle, like some something's going on there, and it doesn't seem like he gets a lot of blame. No, he doesn't. I think maybe being aloof has something to do with the fact that you said he's really not that engaging with the media. Even when they lost last year, when they blew the 3-1 lead, to the Denver Nuggets, you're the star player of the team. Usually in those situations, if that's LeBron, wherever he is, if it's Patrick Ewing when he was, he was in New York, you're going to get crushed. And it was like, well, Doc Rivers, it's really his fault that we lost, or it's this guy's fault, or Paul George. Nobody really blamed the star of the team. And it's his Uncle Dennis, who uh, who I think is sometimes pulling the strings, who, by the way, lives in the same area as uh, Kyrie Irving. So that would be a good little uh, mm. lunch date. Get together with Uncle Dennis and Kyrie. Mm. Talk basketball. How did the Nets do in the offseason? I think they did really well. First of all, they, they the three talented players that they have should be healthy for the start of the season. But you know, Patty Mills is good. Yeah. And Patty Mills was thinking about the Lakers, came to the Nets. I'm sure the whole Sean Marks, you know, the San Antonio Spur Mafia, Steve Nash being an international player like uh, like Patty Mills, I'm sure that all factor in. That's a great signing for them. Go back to the playoffs. Joe Harris, great regular season, but some clutch moments, especially in that game seven, couldn't knock down a shot. Patty Mills will make those shots. Yeah, I brought that up. It's one thing to hit a jumper when you're blowing teams out by 30 in the regular season and you're you're having an and one mixtape there. Yep. But when it's this possession, you need to hit this shot. And that's why I wonder about the players the Lakers brought in. For the most part, these guys, Malik Monk, and Kent Bazemore, Wayne Ellington. You're right. Uh, they haven't hit big shots Trevor before. Yeah, yeah, they haven't hit big shots. And I, I think yeah. that'll that'll be, you know, the interesting part of this. Would you bet on the Lakers playing for a championship this year? The only reason why I think I might is just because I don't know the situation with Jamal Murray in Denver. There's, you know, he had he got injured April 12th. The season is going to end right around that time. So that's a year out of having ACL surgery. Kawhi's not going to play. And the big thing will be, and it's true of everybody, health will be a factor. If LeBron is healthy, Anthony Davis is healthy by the start of the playoffs, I think the Lakers can get there. The Nets probably have a bit of a tougher road with Milwaukee and Miami, but I think the Nets are the best team. And maybe you'll get a finals with the dynamic between Kyrie and LeBron, Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant, and then in the case of Anthony Davis and James Harden, the two guys that forced their way out of their teams Pretty nasty divorce, so it almost works uh, perfectly if we get them in NBA Finals. Good to talk to you, Frank. Thanks, Good bud. Good seeing you, Dan. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. All right, everybody, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You've already talked about that. But there's just so much more good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. 
And there's so much more to get. You can get unique stickers. You can trade with friends to compete uh, albums for big prizes. There's cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. I was always a uh, battleship guy. You know, you get those pieces like there was the hat. There was the shoe. Oh, same. There was the I was always a battleship guy or the car. You know what, too, is funny about a battleship. It's one of the only uh, Monopoly pieces that you find. That's not just a household item. Wow, you know I haven't even thought about that. Yeah, most people oh, wow. don't have a battleship at home, but you have a car, you have a hat, you have a shoe, you have uh, all those things. Anyway, you could also get hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. That's always fun. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their own unique mini games like Digging for Treasure or a Robot Pachenko Machine. And there's always new timed events that will help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it for free right now on Google Play or the App Store. Game on. It is getting that time of the year. It's Miller time. You don't need a watch or a clock to tell you. It's Miller time. Weather gets a little bit warmer. All of a sudden, the beer gets a little colder. It's beer cracking season. It, it, whoa, okay. I don't know if it says that on the calendar. It's a beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters the most. It's a light beer that tastes like beer. That's why I reach for a Miller Lite. And it's less filling. Only 96 calories. They've been doing this since 1975. They have perfected it. You know, that summer afternoon, we're coming into that time of the year, be like, oh, man. Crack one? Yes, or two. Don't look at your watch. Don't look at the clock. Don't look at the calendar. You know. Miller Lite, the great taste, less filling, tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Patrick, or you can pretty much find it anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces, Fewer calories, fewer carbs than premium regular beer. Miller Lite. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise set several generations after the last installment in which apes are the dominant species. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike and embark on a journey that will redefine the planet. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Steve Palazzolo joining us on loan from Pro Football Focus, their senior analyst and host of uh, PFF NFL Podcast. They have put out their rankings, the top receiving core in the NFL. All right, give me the rationale before we do the top five here, Steve. Yeah, so when it comes to receiving cores, I think in today's NFL, you got to look at the top three receivers. You got, so you got to look at depth, and you also have to look at the tight end. So most of the negative feedback I get is people throwing their best wide receiver duo at me. What about these? What about these two? But it's all about depth, having the three legitimate threats or four legitimate threats in today's NFL. And I think you know some of these best teams are just really deep when it comes to pass catchers. But what about the the running back who is a pass catcher as well? Did you factor that in? A little bit here and there. This was uh, this particular write-up was just receivers and tight ends and running back receivers. They're nice to have, but their receptions in general are a little bit less valuable than receivers and tight ends anyway. Okay, let's start at number five. The five, number five on your list, best receiving core is it's the Tennessee Titans. And the best part about this is when I first did this list a few months ago, they were in like the late high twenties. 
because it was A.J. Brown and then a whole bunch of question marks. But having Julio Jones added to the mix here, as much as I was just preaching depth, if you do have two elite players, it does offset things a little bit. And then Anthony Ferkser is a, he's a really good, shifty, good route-riding tight end who I think is going to have a big year for the Titans. Okay, number four on the list is? Who do we have here? The Buffalo Bills. They're the classic team when it comes to depth because what they've done with Josh Allen is gone from zero receivers to then they added Cole Beasley and they added John Brown. John Brown's out now and it's Emmanuel Sanders. So you've got two good receivers there and then Stephon Diggs. And they've all got pretty distinct roles. Emmanuel Sanders knows how to get open. Cole Beasley gets open from the slot. And then Stephon Diggs can do it all. He can be a deep threat, intermediate threat. So three legitimate receivers. Dawson Knox is a pretty good tight end as well. But I just really love the Bills' depth at wide receiver because that trio is as good as it gets around the NFL. Where is Stefan Diggs on the individual list of best wide receivers in football? There's so many good receivers in the NFL right now. So if you say top 10, it's not like a knock on him. But, you know, last year he's probably a top five guy. I think year in, year out, you could count on him being a top 10 type of receiver because he does it all well. Uh, route running, the most important thing a receiver can do is get open, right? Pretty simple stuff. But Stefan Diggs is one of the best in the league at doing that. All right, number three on your list. So it's the Kansas City Chiefs, and this is where maybe the depth hurt them just a little bit because nobody compares to Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. Those guys, uh, they're I don't want to say they're uncoverable. We just saw them get pretty well covered in the Super Bowl, but they are the most dangerous combination. Tyree Kill, legitimate deep threat. If you just made him a slot receiver, he'd catch 150 passes. And then Tyree, uh, Travis Kelsey, you know, the best receiving tight end in the NFL. The big question is that number three spot. Who's the third receiver? You know, Sammy Watkins is out. Nicole Hardman has done some nice things, uh, drafted a couple players at receiver and tight end last year. So that's going to be the big thing for the Chiefs is having that third option emerge. And that's what really did hurt them in the Super Bowl is not having a third receiver when the defense was just focused on Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. Well, it also hurt they didn't have a good offensive line in the Super Bowl. Also that too. All right. And and that line is so much better. Where, where does Kansas City's line rank among other NFL teams right now going into uh, camp? So they're in the top 10. You know, I think I had them seventh in our offensive line rankings. And, and let's, not, let's not have revisionist history here. The 2020 Kansas City Chiefs had a good offensive line. The 2020 Super Bowl Chiefs had a terrible offensive line because they all got hurt and they moved Mike Remmers from right tackle to left tackle. The Chiefs have had a good offensive line in all three years that Patrick Mahomes has been starter. It just completely fell apart in that one game. And they've done a really good job of adding depth and, and good starters in this offseason. All right, number two on uh, your list of best receiving cores. So I'm going with the Dallas Cowboys, another team that uh, the three deep at receiver is just incredible. Amari Cooper is a legitimate number one, uh, excellent route runner, uh, gets open at the short and intermediate uh, level really well, adds C.D. Lamb to the mix, and then Michael Gallup. So Michael Gallup has been a really good number two during his time there. C.D. Lamb has a chance to be another number one. So Amari Cooper is a one, C.D. Lamb is a one, Gallup is a two, that trio is excellent. I think we're going to see C.D. Lamb stealing a whole bunch more targets this year. Um, and, and I really think the Cowboys, you know, as far as that trio, much like the Bills, uh, is as good as it gets around the NFL. Where's the Cowboys defense rank? Now, that is a tough question because last year they were horrible. It was a new system, a new scheme. You could tell they were all over the place, uh, busted coverages like crazy. Having Dan Quinn come in, should handle some of that. You know, it's just it's a simpler system. But there's no way you could say that they project to be a top half of the league defense just because 
They just haven't done it the last couple of years. So I'd say bottom half of the league defense where maybe there's a little bit more stability with Dan Quinn coming in with a simpler scheme based off what they played with last year. So number one on your list, the, the team that has the best core of receivers has to be the Tampa Bay Bucks, right? I mean, this is ridiculous with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, that trio, uh, even Antonio Brown at this point in his career, we saw what he did. Um, I love Scotty Miller, even though he has a very specific role, just run deep Scotty, go run four, two down the field. Tommy hits him down the field all the time. And then that the tight ends, Rob Gronkowski, OJ Howard coming back off injury, Cameron Brait. There's nothing in the league like it. And we saw last year, even when guys got hurt, OJ Howard got hurt. Antonio Brown missed a playoff game. Mike Evans missed time. They had enough depth to, to make up for it. And again, that is how you win in today's NFL. You stretch the field with guys who are difficult to cover. If you're a defense, how do you handle all of those players? How do you handle and cover all of those receivers and tight ends? It's, it's really difficult to do. Uh, the Bucks' offense or defense ranked higher around the league? I'd say definitely the offense. I thought the defense was good last year. Again, let's not, let's not completely overrate that one performance in the Super Bowl. They were awesome in the Super Bowl. They had other performances like that last year, but they were good, not great. The offense in Tampa Bay, though, especially after the bye last week, they were great, and they have a potential to be great once again. The uh, bottom two receiving cores in the NFL. So the Detroit Lions have to be down there because we just, you know, they, they've, re they've overhauled everything. Uh, Tyrell Williams looks like they're number one. He's a good player, but, you know, he's, he's a two or a three type of receiver. And then the Houston Texans, especially Brandon Cooks, rumored to maybe be on the trading block. He's their only legitimate threat. So they have a whole bunch of solid threats, but Texans, Lions, they're not scaring anybody with their receivers and tight ends at this point. Would you advise the Texans to trade Deshaun Watson? I think at this point they, they might have to. I wouldn't really advise it. I mean, I don't know what's happening off the field, obviously, and I don't even know what's happening with their relationship. If they could mend the relationship, I would keep Deshaun Watson. I mean, he is, a, as a player, a top five, top three asset in the NFL right now as far as what he's going to bring from a value standpoint on the field. Um, so if you can keep him around, I think that's the best option. If not, you better get three, four, five first-rounders for him uh, because your your whole team is starting to get overhauled, which already looks like it's happening in Houston anyway. If you were going to make the, the call for the New Orleans Saints quarterback position, Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill. With If Michael Thomas is healthy, when he's on the field, I would always lean Jameis. I'm a Jameis guy. I think he's got some volatility to his game that you can harness and you can move the ball and you just have to deal with some turnovers and all that stuff. I'm scared. I mean, you, who are the worst receiving cores? If I take Michael Thomas out of the equation, the Saints are the worst. They're now 32 if Michael Thomas is hurt for an extended period of time. And because of that, I might lean Taysom Hill. I might say, you know what? We're going to run the ball a ton. Mm. Taysom Hill is going to be a run threat. He's going to carry the ball 10 to 12 times a game. That might be the only way the Saints can win because it's Marquez Callaway and Traquan Smith and Adam Troutman. That's their group of playmakers. They might need to be a run first type of team with Taysom Hill. Always great to talk to you, Steve. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. 
Hey, this is Jason McIntyre. Join me every weekday morning on my podcast, Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre. This isn't your typical sports pod pushing the same tired narratives down your throat every day. Straight Fire gives you honest opinions on all the biggest sports headlines, accurate stats to help you win big at the sports book, and all the best guests. Do yourself a favor and listen to Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. All right, everybody, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You've already talked about that. But there's just so much more good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much more to get. You can get unique stickers. You can trade with friends to compete uh, albums for big prizes. There's cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. I was always a uh, battleship guy. You know, you get those pieces like there was the hat. There was the shoe. Oh, same. There was the I was always a battleship guy or the car. You know what, too? It's funny about a battleship. It's one of the only uh, Monopoly pieces that you find. That's not just a household item. Wow, you know I haven't even thought about that. Yeah, most people oh, wow. don't have a battleship at home, but you have a car, you have a hat, you have a shoe, you have uh, all those things. Anyway, you could also get hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. That's always fun. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their own unique mini games like Digging for Treasure or a robot Pachenko machine. And there's always new timed events that will help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it for free right now on Google Play or the App Store. Game on. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise set several generations after the last installment in which apes are the dominant species. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike and embark on a journey that will redefine the planet. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Did you ever play the over-under game with your friends? You know, think I can eat that slice of pizza in under 30 seconds? Or I don't know, take over a minute to down a two-liter? Well, if you have, then you're going to love Pick 6. It's the new fantasy game from DraftKings, an official partner of the NBA. Here's how you play it during the playoffs. Pick between two and six players and choose if they will have more or less of a stat. Rebounds, points, assists, and more. Also, you track your picks, play against others for a shot to win at some big cash prizes. Download the new DraftKings Pick 6 app now. Use the promo code DPSHOW for a chance to win huge cash prizes. That's code DPSHOW. Only on DraftKings Pick 6. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick 6 not available in all states, including but not limited to Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date list of states, visit dkng.co slash pick 6 states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com slash promos.
He's the star of the Cincinnati Reds, a six-time All-Star, won the MVP back in 2010. He's Joey Votto, who made some news recently, homering in seven consecutive games. I, uh, I, I thought that that tied the record, and uh, I was since reminded that uh, Ken Griffey Jr. had eight consecutive games, Don Mattingly eight, and uh, Dale Long. And Joey Votto joins us on the program. Good to have you back, Joey. Did you know what the record was with uh, consecutive games with a home run? I knew after uh, game three, I was locked in on the record from game three. Every single day I was thinking about hitting a home run. Really? No, 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 no. <laughs> it, it wasn't until about game six. I can't that, imagine uh, you would be going, yeah, I'm, I'm sitting dead red. I'm going to hit a home run tonight. Oh, yeah. Well, I do think that often. But uh, no, at about game six, I was flooded with, uh, are you going to do it? You know, when we were in New York City. Uh, playing against the Mets, and I'd never experienced so much attention before, um, not only from fans on the street. I'd be in the back of an Uber, and New York fans or people in New York were telling me, Joey, you're going to hit the seventh one tonight, or Joey, you're going to hit the eighth one tonight. And, um, and But the people at the stadium were crazy too. I mean, every, everybody I crossed paths with was telling me, come on, man, you can do it tonight. Give it to us tonight. So it was, it was wonderful to feel that support. Do you change anything? In what way? Your approach, your bats that, you know, hey, I got a chance to do something. Yeah. Really, like like game seven. Yeah. Or game eight. Like you, you're going up there going, if I hit my eighth, I'm like, I'm in there with some pretty good, you know, company, Mattingly and Ken Griffey Jr. Well, I have Mattingly, uh, Don Mattingly and Ken Griffey Jr.'s number. I didn't know until a couple days before that Dale Long had had hit eight in a row I was thinking about sending out like a group text when when I got to game eight like just a little winky <laughs> winky emoji or something like that like I'm coming for you you know it was yours now it's mine sort of thing but no I um every every day every every bat I was thinking about homering I wanted that sucker so badly <laughs> what about and you missed by a couple inches with uh, an eighth consecutive game yeah, story of my life. Story of my life, Dan. <laughs> By the way, I didn't know that you were dubbed the most interesting man in baseball. Did Who dubbed you the most interesting man in baseball? No, nobody. Nobody. I mean, I think it was it was an article. Uh, I don't drink, so, you know, it's not a Dos Equis thing. But, no, I, I don't uh, – I wouldn't consider myself that at all. Do you have to be sociable at first base as a first you baseman? Have to be. You have to be unless unless the play, unless the hitter unless it's the opposing pitcher or unless the uh, the batter got on by air then you don't be sociable then you got to stay mum but uh, yeah they if somebody gets to first base usually it's a good good thing for them walk base hit some sort of stinging line drive you have to compliment them so the answer is you got to be sociable you got to you got to compliment them and then roll from there. If, now, now people get to first base and they ask for loans. So you can't be too friendly. You can't be too friendly <laughs> at first base. But like Clayton Kershaw, if he got to first base, no conversation. Well, no. Uh, a couple of years ago, he got to first base. Clayton's very friendly. And, you know, you're going to be pretty friendly when you're the best pitcher every year. So, you know, he got <laughs> to first base. And there was a pitch I took that was a, probably a fringe strike. And he said it ended up being ball four. And he said, what did you think about that pitch? And I said it was a strike, and he said, I thought so too. You know, that's the, that's the maximum of our conversations when it comes to ball on, at first base. But do you talk to rookies at all? Of course. Of course. You know, I'm usually trying to 
learn a thing or two from them. I know it sounds uh, silly, but I feel like I've learned so much over the past couple of years from, from the younger generation. So the answer is absolutely yes. We had a debate the other day and two of my guys here. So I had uh, my producer, Paulie, pick the side and he wanted your career as a future Hall of Famer. And then McLovin, who's a Philadelphia Phillies apologist, took Bryce Harper. So that was the debate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Bryce is one of my favorite players. I mean, I, he's, he's, he's going to be a special player. And, uh, you know, but... Uh, do you think you're good. a Hall of Famer? I'm pretty good. Are you, do, do I think I am? I, Have you done enough? Probably not yet. No. I, you know, I think they've, they, I've heard that you have to get to at least 2,000 hits. And I haven't gotten there yet. So I don't think I'm there yet. No. Uh, well, I think it ended where we made some really strong points for you. It was just Bryce is, I think, is 10 years younger than you. So I, yeah. I'm, I'm assuming he's going to add to his totals there, Joey. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. I've got 10 years of salary accrued before, you know, he's <laughs> I've collected a lot more money than he has, but he'll be okay. He'll be just fine. Yeah, yeah, I know. How is baseball different than when you started? What was that? Oh, seven. Yeah, you started slower. It's slower. Um, the, 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 the players are better. The game is faster. We're more, we're just better in general, but the game has gotten a little bit slower. And I think that's, I don't know exactly why, you know, more walks, more strikeouts. The athletes are better. It's, 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 I don't, I guess you're not asking if it's better or worse. How is it different? It's just, it's just a little bit slower. I, I remember getting games done in about two hours and 45 minutes, two hours and 55 minutes. And now it's, you know, three Oh five, three fifteen. more home runs for sure. More strikeouts. Uh, the pitchers are tougher, so much tougher. I mean, when I came up a guy coming out of the bullpen, throwing 95 was throwing petrol you know and and now if, if he's throwing 105 you're thinking to yourself okay this guy's throwing really hard so that's probably the that's probably the biggest difference but but you're a throwback though because you're you're a batting average guy like you you believe in putting the bat on the ball and not hey i either hit a home run or i strike out would you be different now if you were coming up where it's either it's all or nothing no dan i am all in on all or nothing I am home runs and strikeouts now. <laughs> That's what I'm about now. That's hence the hence the nine home runs, you know, nine straight games. That was my goal. Yeah. So bat two thirty and hit forty bombs. You're good with that. No question. No question about. It. That's where my head's at now. Who's the pitcher you faced where you went? I have absolutely no chance. Let me tell you a good story. So in 2008, uh, Dusty Baker was the team's manager. And it was my birthday, September 10th, and we were in Milwaukee. And Dusty said the day before, September 9th, he said, you got a day off. I want you to take it easy. And it was a night game, day game. And he said, take it easy. And CC was pitching. CC Sabathia was pitching. And uh, I said, no, Dusty. I want in there. And Dusty was, is, is like that. You know, he's, 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 he's the type of manager that says, all right, man. All right, get on out there. So the next day, I I bat against CC Zabathia in the shadows in Milwaukee. I go for four with four strikeouts <laughs> and CC without question was the toughest pitcher at the time in the league as a left-handed batter, most dominant. I go up to dusty after or dusty approaches me after the game. He says, 
how'd you like that? And I go, oh, man, that was tough. That was tough. Next time, listen to me, okay? <laughs> but there have to be those moments, and guys talk about facing Randy Johnson or, I mean, I like DeGrom. Yep. Do you ever feel like, what am I doing up here against DeGrom? No, I like, I, I like facing Jacob. Um, there's, some, there's, there's some tough ones out there. I mean, of course, Jacob's amongst that, but I, I don't get to face him a ton. And, um, but would you rather face a hundred or a guy who had, you know, a lot of movement? Nowadays you get so used to guys throwing hard. Um, I don't know. It's hard to explain. I, I don't know if there's a lot of movement or a, a hard thing that makes the difference. It's more about the matchup. You know, I grew, I, I came into the league. I faced Maddox. I faced Randy Johnson. I faced Tom Glavin, you know, but I've also faced Aroldis Chapman. I've also faced Jacob DeGrom. So it's more about the, the matchup. CC going back to CC Sabathia, he was throwing really hard, but then he'd also hit you. You know, he'd hit you without caring and then, and then, and then spot up three, three, three separate pitches. So, you know, um, it's, it's all about the matchups. We're talking to uh, Joey Votto, the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, first baseman turns 38 in September. I didn't know you were the, uh, a huge basketball fan. Big basketball fan. I, 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 I took a little bit of pause. I won't get into specifics why I took a pause, but there were some players that moved to specific teams that I felt like really ruined the league for a second. Now that Giannis owns the league, now that it like an, a player organically comes from the same organization. And uh, so and when Kawhi left Toronto, Oh boy. How did that hurt? I, I didn't like that. He left the Spurs. I don't like when the thunder got broken up. I don't like, I'm, I guess I'm a bit of a throwback. Jordan was my guy as a, as a teen, as a younger person, uh, staying with the same organization is something I'm very fond of. I mean, uh, so this is a topic I have to watch what I say. Uh, but, but you're, you grew up a Toronto fan. Like that's right. Vince Carter. Yeah. That hurt. That hurt kills me when they give him an ovation. I get it. I get it. I get it. But um, so. And you also played basketball, didn't you? A little bit in high school. I'm, I'm nothing special. We have, we, I have a teammate that actually played Division One college basketball, Amir Garrett, so I'm not going to make any claims here. I, all I know is I got stats that you once dropped 37 points against your bitter rivals. <laughs> is that true? I don't, I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't remember what I did in last night's baseball game, uh, so I'm not sure. You went over for I, four, I think, last night. <laughs> <laughs> no, is there is there a, a a school collegiate? Yeah, yeah, we call our high schools collegiates up there, okay. up in Toronto, Canada. It's uh, uh, E T O B I C O K E. Yeah, you, yeah, Tobacco. Oh. You don't spell it Coke. Yeah, so you put up 37 against them. Did I really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Good for good. Good for seventeen-year-old me. <laughs> um, the uh, Gold Star Skyline. Do you get involved in that? The. I mean. The- ah. Um. Um. Cincinnati specific. Uh, I. I. Uh, I've never been to Skyline, and every time I say that, I get booed. So I. <laughs> hopefully, there's not too much of a, a Cincinnati contingent in your in your uh, following, but um, there will be now. There will be now. After yeah, this. yeah. No, no, no skyline for me. Yeah. What about Gold Star? No, never Gold Star. I go home. Listen, I go home. I eat celery. 
I eat <laughs> no uh, low fat, uh, low fat yogurt, and then I get a good night's rest, and uh, I run it back. There's no, uh, there's no, there's no skyline chili for me, my friend. There's no stories here. There's like you're you're the most boring guy in baseball, not the most interesting. Exactly, but that's exactly. by design. That's by design. That's by design. But you know, um, yeah, I gotta, I uh, yeah. Not that I, I'm going to cloud your head with this, but when you go to the plate, maybe a home run. I mean, is that asking too much? Uh, no, that's not asking too much. Today will be a day where I think about hitting a home run because of Dan Patrick. Okay. So thank you. Yep. And and when you do it, just say in the post game, I did that for Cincinnati native Dan Patrick. <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And if you don't, I'll be. Yeah, hard- you're from Cincinnati. Mason. Are you really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, I grew up. Goodness. Uh, yeah. Why don't you Google me, Joey? I Googled you before you came on. Yeah, but you're interviewing me. I'm not interviewing well, you. Well, this I, could be I, a conversation. I was actually, funny enough, I was actually listening to previous, uh, the best of Dan Patrick's on my way into work just to figure out what kind of rhythm turns out you're very sarcastic very dry it turns out you and your you and your group give each other a hard time they were talking about your plum pants one time yeah it was a best of it yeah was a best of yeah. yeah that's a cincinnati kind of tone so i, I mean i fit in i fit uh, in yeah i got guys who are good clubhouse guys yeah you do like they're you not do. good on the field but you know they're guys mendoza line stuff but but i like them like a, that's my goal in good. the next few years, that's my goal. You think, no, you can't go. Like, you're a three, what, 315 career hitter or something like that, aren't you? I'm doing I'm doing fine. I don't know if it's quite that. It's hard in this league to hit for a high average, yeah, but, but that's okay. Like 272 this year, that's, you know. Now you're I'll get like, it going, Dan. I'll get it going. <laughs> um, it's always great to talk to you. And uh, once again, we have your back when it comes to the Hall of Fame. Well, okay. most of us do. One okay. one guy still has Bryce Harper, but uh, you know we're 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 betting on you, Joey. Well, it's not an either or. Both of us, you know. Oh, it's okay. It, well, I mean, I'm not saying whether it happens or not. It's kind of irrelevant. You, there's more than one that can join, so Bryce is probably going to be one. And if I'm not, then you failed in your argument. So that's true. It's totally fine. Uh, and by the way, when can we do we move on from the Astros booing? Can yeah, yeah, and. Uh, yeah, there's no question about it. The idea that they were the only one doing something wrong just baffles me. But, uh, you know, I agree with you completely. But if Altuve gets to first base. Yes. Very fond of him. I like him a lot. What kind of conversation do you have? I've had lots of conversations with him. We talk about hitting almost entirely. But no, no, garbage can, no, no garbage can mentions. Like you can't even have a little subtle dig, can you? No, because he came out and said that, listen, he came out and said that he had no part in it. And I, I have to believe a person based on, you know, if they, I'm assuming he's telling the truth, so I'm going to believe him. And then we move on from there, you know. Hypothetically, Hypothetically, if you knew, if you knew what the pitch was, ooh, how would you do if I said fastball? Yeah, I'd still be hitting home runs. We'd be at game 10 right now. Oh, you'd have 10 consecutive home runs. There's... It, if I knew what was coming, yes, yeah, I'd be on. I'd be at game ten by now. But yeah. some guys don't want to know. I don't want to know because I don't want to cheat. So if somebody's at second base and and they could signal in where you know where the location let me, is, I, I, I don't. Want, let me phrase that correctly. If I if someone were to 
like if there was a tip from the pitcher, I would want to know. But as far as like, you know, as far as like any sort of like complicated cheating strategy, no, I'm I'm not for that. But if that's if if I had the choice to know and to not know, of course that would be an advantage. But I've been offered that before in my career, and I've passed on it simply because it's like unpredictable. Sometimes they get it wrong. Sometimes they, they, they guess the wrong pitch and then all of a sudden you're taking a strike down the middle and you're thinking to yourself, well, I can't, I can't deal with this randomness. When a pitcher has a tell, though, what do you do with that? You take advantage of it. <laughs> okay. But when's the last time you had – do you share it with your teammates when you go, hey, when he does this with his glove, he's, he's throwing fastball? We, I mean, we all do that. That's, that's a tell. That's, that's, that's okay. That's, of course that's okay. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to be oblivious to something that's clear in your face. Give me somebody who's retired that had a tell. Somebody that's retired that had a tell. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't think I remember. Uh, Randy Johnson had a tell. Um, if he thought you knew what was coming, he would hit you. So that was his tell. <laughs> So that would, that's probably, that's pro, that's a tell. That's a tell from Randy Johnson. He'd hit you happily. We'll wait for the home run. Yeah. We'll, be, right. we'll be tuning in. And the shout out. Yes. Uh, it's great to talk to you again. And, Have uh, yourself a lovely day. Thanks for having thank me. Thank you, buddy. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one -on -one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.